My name is Jero Wawashira. Born again, a husband of one, Joyce, and a father of three, Prince, Prudence, and Pearl. The three Ps. And uh, they send their greetings to you. Do you receive them? In Machakos, you clap once when you receive greetings. Thank you very much. And uh, uh, Christ is the Lord and Savior of my uh, soul. I, I have walked a walk with God. And I have known God to be a faithful God. I've never seen him forsake me. And so I have entrusted my entire life to him since I got to know him. Uh, it is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. To all fathers, we are great people. <laughs> so join us. Uh, let's join together in prayer as we prepare to hear what God has for us. And I also thank my sister, uh, Jerry. I had her songs before I knew her, and so I'm grateful to have met her here. Let us pray. Almighty God, everlasting Father, we want to thank you for gathering us here this morning. We thank you because, Lord, you have brought us with a purpose, and we are here to hear your word, which is power, which can transform us. And we pray that, Father, you may speak to us, speak to our lives, speak to our situations, O oh God, and do as you purpose this morning. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So being a Father's Day, I want to talk a bit about fatherhood. And uh, fatherhood is so great. Because I know that every person has a hole in their heart in the shape of their dads. Did you get that? There's a hole in your heart in the shape of your dad. And uh, if a father is unwilling to fill that hole. It can leave a wound that is not so easily healed. We all have a void, a vacuum for a father figure in our lives. And if it's not filled, it leaves a wound in our lives. So I want to say that dads are very, very special people. Amen? And every day, therefore, and especially on this day, Father's Day, we need to recognize dads and recognize that they have a special place they occupy in our in our lives praise the lord and i don't know what is the best gift that you can give to your dad today that is priceless that will make you recognize that he had a place in your life i know not all of us have dads some of our fathers rested with the lord long ago others and they are no, no longer there with us some of us cannot trace our actual fathers. But I believe all of us have had father figures in our lives. People who brought us. People who made a meaning in our lives. Could be your grandfather, your uncle, a, a, a friend of the family. Someone who was there for you as a father figure. Because fatherhood is not just about biological. We have pastors as our fathers also. We have God as our father. And uh, I don't know what is that special gift that you can give to your father on such a day like this. Can you tell your neighbor what is the most beautiful gift you can give to a father figure? I don't know what you said. Some are scratching their heads, thinking around. And I think of three things that we can give to our fathers. One of it is respect. Praise the Lord. May it be your dad or your grandfather or the man figure in your life 
We need to give them the respect due to them. Praise the Lord. And fatherhood, I'm, I'm saying, is just that, that person who is so special in you, in your life. It could be the father of your children. We need to be, give them respect. They need to be respected. And respect is one of the languages of love that resonates so well with men. You know, you want to win a man's heart? Respect them. Let them know that you respect them. The other thing is compliment. Every dad needs to be praised and for being there, for raising us, for being our protector, for meaning so much to us. Do you know what? Some of the things that men go through for their families are such so great. If you don't say amen, we say amen there. So we have to say an amen. We are together. And they cannot go unnoticed. And every father needs to be recognized for the effort they made made to make a difference in our lives. And some of our fathers, because I know it's such a day like this, I know most people have posted on Facebook the pictures of their dads with uh, all those good lines that he posts. And some of our dads are not uh, on Facebook. (laughs) And uh, I, I don't know. But that is a trend that is uh, nowadays. I opened, today I went through my, my Facebook page and it was so full of postings about fathers. And I was wondering whether the, we, we really say the same thing to our fathers if they are alive today. And I think the social media may not be the best way to appreciate our fathers and to compliment them for what they have done to us. I think that call, unexpected call, or that gift that you send, or that word of appreciation that you speak to your father may mean more a lot than just posting on Facebook. Praise the Lord. They need to be recognized. They need to be complimented. They need to be respected because fatherhood holds a lot for us. And I say fatherhood is all around. In the church, our church father, you need to respect him. You need to compliment him. You need to uh, I show you a precision for all they do for, uh, in their task of fatherhood. Praise the Lord. You know, in the Bible, Genesis 2, verse uh, 27, verse 4, Jacob spoke to his children and said, Make me a very sweet uh, food, some very sweet food, such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Do we take time to do that? Something special for our dads. Just to make them know that we appreciate them. Hallelujah. So just that, that's just food for thought to think on how we can appreciate our dads on such a special day. But I ask myself, what is fatherhood? Is it being a male parent? Does fatherhood mean the state of being a father? Or does it mean fathers collectively? What is fatherhood? What does it take to be a father? Sayering a child, does it make man a father? I want you to answer yourself. But I believe that fatherhood or father is a title that holds great responsibility. 
And I believe that every, ma- every home does not need just a man, but it needs a father. A father who will not just be there, but a father who will provide the love and comfort that is required in that family. Anyone can be a father, but it takes something, someone special to be a dad. I'm speaking to all men. You can be a father, but you must be very special to be a dad. Amen? And I want to say that uh, fathers hold a lot of blessings and power to make or break in the church, in the families. God has given them power, divine power, to make or break. I know some of us may be broken today because we had fathers who are not up to the task. And today, in the verse that we've just read, we encounter a man named Jairus. And Jairus was a very religious man. Jairus was a head of a synagogue. His work entailed keeping the Holy Scribes. And this was a very, very important position in his time. But Jairus was not just a man of authority in, in the synagogue, but he was also a father. He was a husband. He was a man who had the responsibility of fatherhood. And one day, he gets to hear about uh, the news of Jesus Christ passing through his town. You know, most of his contemporaries had a very negative opinion of Jesus. It's like how you fear a cult leader is passing through your town. No, Jesus was not so popular with the Jews. You would hear that a certain cult leader is passing through your town. And you know, sometimes when such personalities are passing through big towns like Nairobi, there will be traffic jam. Some people don't want that. But this guy heard that Jesus was passing by. And you agree with me that regardless of where we stand in the society, we all have issues that keep on bothering us from time to time again. And I don't know any other person who doesn't have one issue that is bothering them. However, whoever you are, we all have some thorn in the flesh, something that keeps you thinking and getting back to God, something that disturbs you, something that makes you have sleepless nights. This guy was going through a very serious issue in his life. Praise the Lord. I don't know what issue you are facing today. Could be financial. Could be a sick parent at home. And you can't stop thinking about them. It could be some troublesome brother or sister back at home who is creating chaos that you cannot have peace here in America. This guy had an issue that was bothering him. And the despite of his position in society, he had a very desperate need because the daughter was dying. And so, being who he was, he sacrificed all that and ran to Jesus for help. I don't know whether you are picturing that. This guy who was serious in the synagogue, and you know Jesus was so popular in synagogues. And he takes away all that he had and he runs to Jesus to seek help. And I know people would think that he was mad. But he had a need and he knew that there was somebody who could fix his problem. He went to Jesus. Praise the Lord. And this episode, when I look at it, 
has great lessons for us as parents and fathers especially. And the last biggest lesson is that we hold something in our hands that can create a difference not just in our families but also in the society and the entire world. There is something you hold in your hands that can make a difference in the lives of the children. It is something that you hold in your hands that can create a big difference in your society and in the world at large. Praise the Lord. What are you holding in your hand? Can you tap your, tap your neighbor? I've given you permission to tap your neighbor. Disturb them a bit and ask them, what are you holding in your hand? Hallelujah. Because we all, we all hold something that God has given us, that is divinely given, that can create a, the whole difference. And this is what this guy Jairus held in his hand. And he knew it very well. When I read through that verse, I get to see a very present father. Did you read the uh, this text? I get to see a figure of a father who was present. Hallelujah. Did you see that? That when the daughter was ailing, this guy knew what was going on. Where are our men today? Because I know some men are never present. And even if they are present, sometimes they are absent present. You know, when I was in high school, we, on our schooling, we had some naughty boys who did all manner of things. And they would draw something on the blackboard. And when the teacher comes in and asks who did that, they would say, it is John. And when you ask who is John, some say present, others say absent. So there was no one called John in our class. So he was present, absent, and their fathers who are absent, they are there, but they are not there. They are present, but they are not making any difference in the lives of their children. And this is one of the issues we have, that 40% of the children in, this, uh, in our society go to sleep without seeing their fathers. They don't interact with their fathers. And fatherhood has become something that is out there, that is not substantial. And the absence of a father figure in a family robs children of their birthright. Because I said we have all a void, a void to fill that can only be filled by a father figure. Father figure. I don't say a man. You know, some people will say that I need a man in my house because I need to hear that voice that can create a difference. I'll tell you, you don't need the man in your house. You need a father figure. Someone who will be there to provide what fatherhood is all about. This guy was ever present. He was there. He knew the daughter was suffering. And I don't know whether it is by coincidence that we don't hear the name of his wife be mentioned. Because in our society, you would hear, and the mother was there. And the mother ran to Jesus. See, always it's the mother who runs. This time around, it was the father who was there. Where I come from, it's mothers who go to clinic. And one time I was driving at night, and I found this woman with a baby, and it was a very dangerous place. And she was running, she was running. And I stopped. I didn't know whether there was, it was a, a river, trick to car jack. But I had to stop. And this lady came, came running to my car. And told me uh, my my child is sick. And so I let her in and we rushed to a hospital. But before we left, 
the husband came after her. And had to open the other door for the husband. And the husband was always quarreling in the car. Telling the man, you know what? What were you doing the whole day? Why didn't you go to the hospital <laughs> during the day? And I was like, I told him, shut up. <laughs> you better shut up or you get out of, the, of my car. Because fathers are not known to hold that. But this father was always present. He made the whole difference in this child's life. And this child knew a present father who was always there. Praise the Lord. The second thing I see from this father is the promise. There is something in the Bible called the promise of a father. The promise of a father is, has to do with everything. Every father is a superhero to their children. You go to the little children when they are talking, they know that their father is the biggest hero. I get to my children, I hear them speaking with other kids, and he will say, my father can beat your father. You know? That's a big thing. My father can do this. You know what my dad did? He was driving, and, you know, the, the, I'm, I'm just a hero to my children. And they believe that the father can never be defeated by anything. And I know this child, Jairus' daughter, knew the father was just a superhero. In her condition, she knew the father was to do something about the situation she was going through. And she was persuaded and knew that it, is, it doesn't matter how worse it is getting, but my father understands and my father will do something eventually. That is the promise of a father. That regardless of how things are, the father can still look at the kids and tell them, it is going to be well. That is the promise of a father. Even when things are so bad, the father can still, you know, you can't, you can't cry with your children when things are wrong. As a father, even if you are very hurt and you are broken, eh, you have to put up a brave face and tell them tomorrow is going to be well. It doesn't matter what is going through. That is the promise of a father. Hallelujah. Are you there to assure your children that tomorrow will be better? Are you sure there to tell them that even if they are not performing well in school, they can still do better? And you still support them and assure them of your presence and support in the days to come. The promise of a father. And I'm saying the promise of a man. Could be a grandfather here. You still hold the same promise to your children. Great-great-grandchildren. This guy was there to, pro- to, 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 to promise this child. And when opportunity arose for him to find solution for his child... He never let her down. He did all that was possible to get that help. You know, fathers can do anything to impress their wives and for the sake of their children. Some men you see here go through all hell just to prove a point that they are the man in that house. And not just promise, but also prophesy. You know, men are prophets. And I believe we have that power to prophesy to our children. And speak in their lives. You know, sometimes I call my boy and let him sit there. And I pray prophetically upon his life. And I pray about his tomorrow. And I pray meaning it. And I believe those words, God will follow them, perform them. Because I have the authority, the divine authority as a father figure. 
Praise the Lord. When the pastor stands here to proclaim some blessings to us, he has the fatherhood anointing that he imparts in our lives and that God follows that word perform it. So you, you hold a lot of power as a father that can impact into the lives of your children either positively or negatively. Unfortunately, a few of the fathers I know have been cursing their children. Sometimes you are so annoyed and you say a word out of your carelessness. And you know what? I don't know whether it is God who will follow that word, but that word continues to work on the life of that child negatively and it will come out sometime later in life because you spoke a negative word to your child. The same with mothers. Don't tell your kid she's stupid. Christian mothers encourage their children and they speak good words prophetically in the lives of those kids. And God follows that word, perform it. Praise the Lord. You know, the presence of a father, the comfort of a father is all that we need. One thing that I can never forget is the touch of my dad's hand when I was sick. I can still feel his hand touching me. It is so powerful and so nice. What do you speak in the lives of your children? And I said fatherhood is not biological. You can father any child in the church, in the society. You can be a father to your cousins, to your, to, to your nephews and nieces, because fatherhood is, yeah, is not biological. And the last thing I see this father impacting in the life of the child is the faith in God. He knew that the solution was to be found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And he was so desperately looking for it. And he went and he not only talked to Jesus about it, but he was not ashamed to bring Jesus home. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So he went, knelt at Jesus' feet, pleaded with him to come and heal the daughter, raise the daughter, and also brought Jesus along with him to his house. Praise the Lord. Do you do the same? In this generation that is losing connection with God so fast, we need parents who are going to nurture God-fearing children. Jairus' daughter not only saw the father seeking after Christ, but he also saw the father bringing Christ home. He was not ashamed to worship and to be associated with Christ. One of the father figures I remember is my grandfather. Whenever we went home, he would call, us, call a meeting, you know, those impromptu meetings. You go celebrating, it's Christmas time and you're enjoying, and all of a sudden, there and Aitana. And then you go and make a circle, a big circle, and he would stand there, leading some worship hymns, and then give us a half an hour sermon, which addressed every person. Because he got all the reports about what people are doing. So he would address you and speak to your lives. I don't want to hear that. And he would even prophesy into our lives. And that impacted me so much. I think that's why I received the call to, to the ministry. Because of what he did that time. We need to raise altars at home. Family altars. A place where we worship God together in our, as our families. A place where we teach our children Christian values and standards. A place where we lead our children to Christ. We don't not only need to tell them about Christ, we need to 
they need to see us practicing our faith in our homes. I like that placard that I see in most homes in Kenya. I don't know whether your home had one like that. Written that Christ is the head of this. I have no problem with that. A silent listener to every. So you have muted him. He's just silently reasoning, but not talking. Christ has to reign in our homes. Not just hearing, he also has to be the king and also the Lord in our homes. He has to speak. Praise the Lord. We need fathers and mothers who are raising up altars in their homes. And know what is an altar? An altar is a point of connection between man and God. The whole issue that is messing up people's lives is about altars. Because when you have a bad altar, you know, altars speak. Altars speak. Hallelujah. If you raise an evil altar or a bad altar, it continues to speak for generations. I know people who are suffering because of altars, faulty altars. I visited one family that had a difficult daughter. She was engaged in all manner of things. And when we went back to their place, and the father, the father spoke, the mother spoke, I still felt there was something wrong in this family. And we spoke and spoke, and uh, finally God revealed it, that there were alt- active altars in that family, that for generations things were happening. I knew there was a trend that every time, every time a child tried to progress in that family, the father would curse the child. That happened to their grandfather, great-grandfather, grandfather, and all this man, because the daughter was so naughty, had written some curses and posted to the daughter. Very bad curses. And the daughter was so afraid because every person that had been cursed in that generation went basak. They were all mad. And so I listened to that and I said, no, 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 there's a problem here. Then I looked at the side of the house. They had something that, that was hanging from the, the wall, which looked like a beehive. And I asked, what is that? And the man told me that is a beehive that has been handed over for generations. But there's no harm with that thing. It's just an ornament. And I said, that's where the problem lies. Because as you hand over this, you also hand over, you need to break that trend. And this man, at one point, became difficult. But as he continued, he realized that what he's doing is perpetuating uh, curses from, uh, from many, many generations. And he started crying. And I told him, you have to tear that paper, piece of paper. He had it, his copy in his pocket. And you could see him crying as he tried to tear the paper. It was something deeper. That was an altar. Altar speak. What altar, kind of altars are we raising to our children? Are you raising an altar that even if your children will go out of the way, somehow they'll still find their way back because the altar you raise will speak, be speaking to them, whatever they are. That is the kind of an altar I'm talking about this, this morning. A holy altar, a Christian altar, a place where we teach our children about God and they end up loving God. I want to say that there's no perfect father. I'm not perfect either. Mutugaji may not be perfect either. Because the only perfect father is our father in heaven who is God. That is the only perfect father. 
But this journey can be exciting and successful with all our faults when we allow God to guide us in our journey to fatherhood, great fatherhood. Have you ever felt inadequate or overwhelmed by your responsibility as a parent? Sometimes when you wonder what is happening, you have tried to do all your best, but these kids are not hearing. They are not becoming what you want them to be. When they decide to rebel against you, have you felt, have you been in that place where you are wondering whether you, you are doing things right? I don't know whether I'm, I'm the only one who has been there. Maybe you have not been there. But I've been there. Where I ask myself, what is happening? Because you are trying all your best, but there's something wrong that is happening. This is where Moses found himself. And you can identify with him today. Because Moses was called by God to father a nation of Israel. And the whole nation at that time was in captivity in Egypt. And they had been slaves for a long, long time. And they didn't have a leader. And so God speaks to Moses, who was a fugitive, a runaway, a poor man, taking care of someone's sheep somewhere in the, in the desert. And he tells him, I want to give you some fatherhood responsibility to go and take my children from captivity to the land of the promise. Praise the Lord. And Moses was just like us. And he was looking and saying, no, 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 no. I cannot handle that. First and foremost, I don't know your name. You know, he tells God, I don't know your name. And God tells him, go and tell them, I'm the who I am. You know some answers, eh? So he's going to face these guys. And they ask him, who sent you? And he tells them, the I am has sent me. And the guy said, no. You know what, God? I also don't have the capacity. I don't have abilities. I'm not talented. I'm not gifted as a leader. Because I stammer. You know, God is sometimes so amusing. Because he chooses who he wants to choose. Praise the Lord. He calls you, regardless of where you are, who, your background, he calls you just as you are. Praise the Lord. And this guy says, I'm a stammerer. And God assures him that he will be there with him. Praise the Lord. And that's the same assurance God is telling us. Despite your weaknesses as a father, despite your shortcomings as a father or a parent, parent, God is going to go with you in this journey. And he'll make it great for you. You not do it by your own power or might, but God will be there to make it a very exciting journey. Praise the Lord. And this guy was feeling unworthy to go. And he had a lot of excuses. And God at one point asked him, what are you holding in your hand? Because God uses ordinary men to do extraordinary things. And he doesn't use extraordinary things to help you accomplish a task. He uses ordinary things of this life. So he asked Moses, what are you holding in your hand? And Moses was just holding a stick, a, a, a shepherd's staff, a dead, dry stick. And he said, I'm holding a stick. Then God commands him, put it down. And Moses obeys God, he puts it down. Once it was down there, the stick turned into a snake. Amazing, isn't it? And God tells him, pick it by the tail. Another humor. That God tells you to pick a snake with your bare hands. And Moses picks it. It turns into a snake. Praise the Lord. As long as he was holding it, 
it was just a mere but every time he let it at the feet of God it turned into a, 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 a staff praise the Lord and that is what God used to help Moses accomplish many many things in his journey as a leader and I'm going to tell you that you don't need to be any special to be a special parent what you have, where you are, what you're holding is what God is going to use to make you to become a great parent. Praise the Lord. Are you together? Can you touch your neighbor? Tell them, what, ask them what they're holding in their hands. I don't know whether they know what they're holding, but that's what you're holding, your time. Your time, hello? Your presence will make all the difference if you allow God to walk with you in this journey. Praise the Lord. It was a dry stick. But that question was deeper than Moses thought. Because Moses was not just holding a shepherd's staff, but he was holding more than that. He was holding his personality. Every other time people saw him with that staff, they knew he was a shepherd. It was a stick that defined who he was. Praise the Lord. And it was also a reminder, a constant reminder of the many, many failures he had gone through in life. Remember, this guy was a prince in Egypt. He was just about to become a king. He was leaving the palaces. But here he is in the desert with nothing, with no hope. He was a fugitive. Right in the desert, taking care of sheep that was not his own. And I think that every time he held that have you seen a shepherd holding a staff like this and thinking deeply? This guy was going back and regretting sometimes and wondering what is all this about? Hallelujah. I don't know what you're holding, but what you're holding could be taking you back into those days, to your failures in life, to regrets in your journey uh, to parenthood, to your past. And you find yourself thinking about so many things. And some of us have become prisoners of past events. You have been held captives by situations and experiences you have had in life. And every time you look at ourselves, we doubt ourselves. We feel inadequate. We feel so worried about ourselves. We feel so bad about ourselves. Praise the Lord. And I believe that as Moses was holding that stick, the stick was also holding him. Hello? I want you to minister to your neighbor and tell them that whatever you're holding is also holding you. Because some things we hold prevent us from making progress. Are you together? Some of us here maybe are holding a lot of bitterness. That guy left you with all your children and you're feeling so bad about that. And you can't forgive him. Every time you think about that guy, your heart turns a hundred and something. And you feel so bad about it. Some of us are holding unforgiveness in our hearts. And you have said to yourself many times, I'll never forgive him. I want to tell you that what you're holding is also holding you. Hello? Hello? Some of us are holding regrets. I found people who are always crying. Have you found people who are always crying? Oh, every time you speak, he remembers and he gets so emotional. He did this to me. What, what? And he, they turn and start sweating. 
Because they are holding something that is also holding them. Some of us are holding bitterness because of our parents, because they're not so good to us. And you think about your parent, you say, mm-mm. You feel so bad about your father. Hallelujah. I have a message for you. God is saying, throw down that stick. That is a dead, dry stick. Can you talk to your neighbor and tell them that's a dead, dry stick? As long as you hold it, you cannot progress. As long as you keep clinging to those memories and to those hard feelings, you'll never go forward. You always be mark timing. You always be hurt. You always be a prisoner. I've come to declare freedom for you. In the name of Jesus. And you know, we hold things and we pass them to the other generation. And you find that the same thing you're holding is influencing you to, uh, to parent your kids in a certain way. Have you seen protective parents? Because you never showered with love by your parents, you want to shower your kids with everything, yeah? And it becomes uh, toxic love to your kids. Because your dad, your dad was very strict, it has influenced the way you handle your, parents, your, your kids. Some of us will not, uh, not let our kids go. We still hold them. They cannot interact with the community. They cannot grow like no more ordinary kids. Because when you flash back, I remember how you are brought up, you say, I'll do the best for my kids, but you're spoiling them. Mm-hmm. Are you together? Some of us have spoken to our children about their fathers. And you know, let me tell you, a father will always be a father, regardless of what they did. Eh? And you can minister to them a thousand times, but at certain age, you'll find kids looking for their fathers. I've helped two already. One of them, I think from Germany, a kid who never met their father and was the mother called me, this kid has bothered me. You have to get this guy. And he came all the way to Kenya, went to Nakuru, searching for the father. And I was wondering, for what? Because the mother went to Germany when the kid was still in the, in the womb. The kid had that void. I want to meet my father. So regardless of what you tell them, that is a father. And they want to feel connected to their father. But what message do you pass to your kids? What are you imparting in their lives? Is it bitterness? There is healing for you today. If you only allow and put it down. When Moses was commanded by God to throw down the stick, it was an obstacle, but it became great potential in his hands. And he did mighty things. <laughs> Hallelujah. He struck the lower rock and water gushed out of it. He defeated the Amalekites with the same stick that he was holding. As long as he held it, it was holding him. But when he released it into the, in the feet of, uh, of God, it became great potential. He parted the Red Sea with the same stick. Hallelujah. What are you holding? Ask your neighbor, what are you holding? What are you holding? One time, as I finish, I was working in some place and there was this man who was coming every day to church, every Sunday. And he came, allow me, mom, to use this. And every Sunday, this guy 
used to come with a whole sack. Noah sack? Gunia. Every Sunday he carries a sack to church. And when he got to the entrance, he would put it down at the entrance, then get into the church, and he was the guy who was jumping the most in the church, in the prison worship. Hallelujah. But at the end of the service, he would go back to the entrance and take his sack and put it upon himself and carry it home. And every time I went through my pastoral work in the village, I saw this guy, very desperate, carrying something on his back. Then one Sunday I said, enough is enough. When after service, you know, we have those processions in PCA where we go out in a procession, yeah? And uh, we are going out, I decided this guy, I have to get hold of him. So I remained behind and tapped him and I told him, oh, hi, I want to say hi to you. And said, what is it? I want to know what you're carrying in your bag. And he said, no, this is my bag. And we had some tassel in there. Before I, I pulled it down and I looked inside. You know what was there? There were stones, metals, old tattered clothes he had been collecting in the village. And I told him right to his face, God wants to deliver you from this. In the name of Jesus. Do you want to be delivered? He said, yes. Told him, kneel down. You're going to pray. He knelt down and we said a very simple prayer. You know, sometimes you, you look for those prayers. Talk out, Kiongea. <laughs> we just said a very simple prayer. And the guy woke up, smiled, but he asked for his stack back. I told him, no. When the Son of Man sets you free, you are free and free and free indeed. And I told him to go home. He went home, never again to carry that bag. He was delivered. Amen. I think you need to shout for the Lord because of his doing. But that gave me a revelation. That there are so many people who come to church every Sunday carrying baggages. We carry them to church. And for a moment, we enjoy the sermon, we enjoy the music. But at the end of it, we go home carrying the same baggage. Unforgiveness, bitterness, bad experiences. Sins, you know, you have pet sins. Do you, can you, do you know about pet sins? That secret sin that you always feel like you don't want to let go. And it's a baggage you're carrying. And over and over again, you know you are tired. You know it's draining you. But you don't want to let it go. That's why you have an altar. Where we lay all our burdens. Because Christ is still calling. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. There is rest for you today. We be on our feet as we pray. We are going to pray together. Doesn't matter what situation it is, but our God is able. Our God is able to intervene. Miles and miles away, our God is not limited by time or space. He is able to transform. He is able to heal. He is able to raise again. He is able to restore because He's a faithful God. I want to trust the Lord with you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.